0: Welcome to episode five of the Dance Cultura podcast. This episode features Brenda Liu, a Latin soloist and dance coach. She founded the Brenda Liu Dance Company, an all-ladies dance company in Singapore, which offers classes in salsa and bachata shines, body movement training, arm styling secrets, and more. BLDC is also renowned for the many ladies performance teams that kick ass on stage with powerful yet feminine choreography. Brenda is known globally for her fluid body movement, subtle and controlled musicality, and clear teaching methodology. She was super fun to talk to and a huge example of what can happen when you take life one step at a time. Let's get into it. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you so much for coming on. No
1: problem.
0: (laughs) How have you been holding up in this quarantine?
1: I'm good because I'm able to run online classes and being able and having the time to reach out to people who are not able to take classes from me I've been wanting to do this online classes thing for a long time, but you know when life gets in the way, and I have a dance company to run as well, and then you're traveling, and then you have a boyfriend, you have your family to take care of, you have your friends. It was almost not possible to put my proper focus in. I could have if I wanted to, but I would be neglecting a lot of stuff. So this was like the perfect time for me to really, like, finally do some online classes, and the response has been amazing. Being able to wake up every day and still dance and still teach. This has been the highlight of this quarantine. So I have no complaints. I mean, I feel really bad for people out there who are struggling financially. There are all kinds of stories because of this coronavirus. So I think I'm good. Sometimes a little suffocating, I would say, because you know, you're kept in four walls and you don't look at the clock. That's why we were, I was late <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really happy what I'm, so good with to what hear. I'm doing right now.
0: And your online classes came on quick because I had reached out to you since our time difference is 12 hours. So you were doing a class at 4 p.m. that I wanted to join, but then I realized that would be 4 a.m. So I DM'd you asking when they would come online um, and I could replay them and you got them up in three, four days which was such yeah. a quick turnaround. You've probably been working on it longer, but that was really, really quick.
1: When all the lockdowns started, I was just thinking like, ah, it's pretty controlled in Singapore. I think it's going to be good. We have an amazing government in Singapore. Mm. That's why I can't I can't complain, you know. They're handling it very well. But you know, when they started talking about the lockdown and shit, I started panicking a little bit because I have bills to pay. You know, anyone would be like, oh shit, what's going to happen to my income? So with the help of my very lovely boyfriend, he came on board and he was helping me a lot and we're living together. So we kind of just jumpstarted everything. And my first class, it was for free because I wanted to see how everybody would respond to it. Mm-hmm. It had like more than 100 plus participants. And I really loved the fact that I was using Zoom Yeah. For me, a really important part about teaching is having that communication, having that interaction. I teach based on what I see. You know, I don't teach going in like, Oh, I'm going to teach whatever and you guys are just going to follow me. For me, it's so important to go like, okay, what are my students not doing right? How can I make them better? So my first trial with Zoom was really good. So that's why I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not waiting since the lockdown is going to start next week. Let's just jump into it.
0: And the response has been wild because I think I've seen more than a hundred reposts of other people doing your choreography. And every single time you put out a class or choreography, so many people are doing it in their houses.
1: They have nothing better to do, to be honest. (laughs) Like, okay, let's be very fair. I'm going to be very fair to everybody and myself. I mean, if the whole world was not under lockdown, I would have probably had a lot less responses. And, you know, you got to be strategic with this. You got to pick your most famous choreographies. You know, so like the La Palomia one, you know, I posted on Instagram, it's probably one of my most famous and most well liked posts. So it was a no brainer to go with it. The body isolations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that and your red
0: skirt routine are probably your top two. People are asking me to do the part two
1: for the red skirt routine. That's amazing. It's a tough routine. It is a tough routine. (laughs) I tore my shoulder. I don't think it was a tear, actually. I just injured it. It was very badly injured. Like my Mm. shoulder, tendon or ligament, I can't remember because I've had so many injuries. Because of the skirt, our skirts are heavy. Very heavy. We trained it so hard. One day, I was just throwing my hand with the skirt and my shoulder went out and in. Oof. But it's worth it. You know what? The skirt is, (laughs) is my story.
0: So body movement is kind of what you're known for. And in all of those choreographies, it seems like it comes so naturally to you. But is that the truth? Is that something that you naturally had an affinity for? Or did you really have to train for
1: it? I feel that. Talent is nothing without hard work. For me, I think what wows people about my body movement is not the fact that I have the range, but it's more the fact that I have the control, you know? So I would say that I was quite lucky. Like some people are born with flexibility. I'm one of them. Mm. So I have the range, you know? It definitely didn't start it like this. To say the talent, yes, I would say there are people who are talented, you know, things that my boyfriend are talented in. I'm not. Oh. I'm talented in some ways not so my luck is my range but at the end of the day it took me at least like 13 years wow. 13 years of weekly at least one time a week almost mm. throughout the year because I teach body movement classes I've never stopped doing body movement whenever wow. I train my team we do body movement and it's a lot of um yeah, just a lot of hours and really a lot of awareness about how to take it to the next step, next level, I would say. So. I feel like when I first started training it, it was very much like, oh, I can make it big. You know, it looks amazing. You can see what's going on. But after a while, when you teach more and more and you're like looking at your students and you're looking at yourself, you're like, how can I make it better? You know, then the awareness about the control started coming Mm -hmm. in. And when when I wanted to like express it to the music and you're like, okay, but this needs to be sharper. This needs to be clearer. So definitely a lot of hard work. To make it controlled.
0: 10 plus years. See, everybody listening needs to hear that because I feel like everyone eats a piece of broccoli and the next day are like, Where are my abs though? You know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, to not scare away viewers that are like, Oh, I want to do body movement as good as you. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I feel that it's achievable within a year if you got good quality practice and consistency. Mm. I would say that if I had really good knowledge, if I had a mentor and I really put in two or three times a week. I could achieve what I've done today in one to two years.
0: Wow. So that was another question of mine is whether or not you developed your own technique or if you
1: had a mentor, because you have a very unique style. If you talk about technique, I would say that I've developed it by myself. I never really had the opportunity to have a mentor to guide me along. I gain a lot of inspiration from everybody. So I would say that I get lessons from everyone this dance artist that I look up to is giving me the inspiration for this kind of movement. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else would be giving me the ideas or the concept of this kind of, you know, just different categories. You know, you talk about choreography, you're talking about style of music, style of dancing, the way you teach. For me, this is everything. This is a whole tree. It's not just about dancing itself. So yeah, no mentor, but wow. I try to learn from everybody. So let's take it back a bit, because
0: I know that you mentioned you have uh, Bollywood training when I was taking your arm styling class. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were growing up, what was your involvement with dance? When did you start and what styles did you train? How
1: did you find Latin dance? So I started in primary school. I did Chinese dance. Ooh! So I saw like a bunch of girls dancing. I was like, oh my God, I want to be like them, you know, like <laughs> so good, like. And they look so slim and, and you know, like in shape, cute ponytails. You know, at that time, you just kind of want to be one of those girls. You know, we don't really have cheerleading, but we had that. So I was like, okay, I'll join it, give it a try. So I did Chinese dance for like two years and then it so happened that there was this racial harmony project because Singapore's a racial harmony country, right? Mm-hmm. We live with a lot of different races. So we really celebrate that we have a racial harmony day in Singapore. What happened was that um, the Indians, dance instructor there's another indian dance group in the school um she was assigned to pick students from every dance troupe from the chinese dance from the indian dance from the malay dance from the modern dance you know to all put them together and choreograph a piece to perform on racial harmony day so i was chosen or i volunteered and i wanted to be chosen so i did that and <laughs> So I joined and this Indian dance instructor was teaching a lot of um, her technique and I would say her moves. You know, at that time, I think when we were seven, eight or nine, ten years old, you don't really understand what is technique. You're just kind of like, okay, I'm just, just going to follow just you, fun. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I loved what she did and she loved what some of us did, some Chinese dance girls. And she's like, oh my God, you girls are amazing. Do you want to join my Indian dance troupe? I was like yeah <laughs> why not I was like yeah Bollywood I totally loved it So that's when I really took dancing seriously. I was involved in two different dance groups. They had to accommodate to a few of us because the few of us were like the star dancers of the school. right? And because we were in both groups, both the teacher in charge had to work together to make sure that the Chinese dance group and the Indian dance group didn't have clashing trainings. So it makes you feel good, you know? Cause you're like, oh wow, like I have a huge responsibility because we were going for competition. So it became very serious. Um, I did Indian semi-classical dance for a good four to five years. Um, I used that to audition my way into the secondary school. I'm not stupid. I can study. But I was like, nah, if I put study and dancing together, I kind of knew that dancing was super important to me. And if I could go to a good performing arts secondary school, it was more important to me than going to a very good well-known high school they're they're super focused on studying mm-hmm. i'm more like performing arts you wow know? I so you to knew that.
0: from a young age that you wanted that in your life even as a career no
1: not as a career i knew that i wanted to dance mm-hmm. i knew that performing arts was super important it gave me too much happiness and meaning in life so i went to my secondary school and i continued indian dancing for a good two years but I had to move from town to like a very um, northeast part of Singapore. So it was the traveling got too far. I couldn't travel all the way to town. It would take me more than an hour. Wow. And you know, being, having to be there at like seven thirty, eight 8am, plus all the dancing that I wanted to do, I had to give up something. Plus, I didn't really like the school. Eventually, I didn't really like it. I felt that I was there more just for the dancing. Mm -hmm. So I decided to change schools and go like, you know what? I'm going to try to dance somewhere else. Why not? I will take studying as it is. Just study my uh, minimum amount of hours. (laughs) Just study smart my dancing. Yeah, exactly. But I was always asleep in class though.
0: Probably from all I the dance you, training.
1: I tell you, I was this new girl in secondary school. My God, this new girl who's always asleep. And then <laughs> one, fine day, one fine day, the principal was walking past our class and she called me out and she's like, you stand up for the rest of the day because you're sleeping. I was like, fuck. Oh, Oh shit. I shouldn't have sore. I'm so sorry. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> this is an explicit podcast. We have an E rating. So yeah. Anyways, long story short, I continued on to into a more commercial dance studio where I started learning hip hop because I was like, that's the next oh wow. thing I want to do. This is in high school, you know? Yeah. So I joined hip hop and they had like a scholarship program for dancers where you had to learn hip hop and jazz and ballet, a little bit of everything. So I didn't have money to pay for it. My parents didn't want to pay for it. Not that they didn't want to support me, but they were more like, this is stuff that you want to do. Why don't Mm. you earn the money to do Mm -hmm.
0: it?
1: You know, so they kind of have this system where you're like helping out with the studio. You're running admin work. You're helping to make sure that the studio is tidy. So I kind of did that to exchange for fees to take their classes. So I was with them for a good four years or five. And they also had salsa and bachata. And I was walking out of my hip-hop dance class one day. And then they had like the social night. I was like, wow, these ladies look so sexy doing bachata. What the (laughs) hell is that? You know, and I was like sitting there and super jealous. And like, why am I not learning this? Mm. So then eventually I was like, I want to learn that and that and that as well. I'm going to work more. I'm going to keep your place clean. I'm going to work for you guys. Just give me the classes. So I took classes and I cleaned their studios at the same time. I got so addicted. That's why I was sleeping in school every day. I would go to school at like 7am. I would spend my time. Oh my God, this is terrible for the listeners. I would spend my time in school sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and then at, when, when the clock strike 1pm when it's time to go, I would leave, go straight to the dance studio, dance clean up their stuff, clock in the hours, at night, take the dance classes and then get in trouble with my parents, go home Mm. really late, go home at 11, 12. I was super tired all the time but I kept going, you know, you loved it too much. My parents did not like what i was doing mm-hmm. we wanted to set curfews and stuff oh man it was a hard few years they just don't understand like my love for it and i think they right. just, parents being parents it's almost like your daughter is going to a cult you know what i mean it's like you don't see your daughter at all and she's dancing with boys at this young and age she's cleaning, coming home late
0: she's cleaning the studio <laughs> like what the hell are it's you It's an doing? asian parents nightmare
1: <laughs> yeah totally
0: so from there how did that develop you went and started taking classes and then how did that develop into you owning your own dance studio
1: To be honest, I never really thought that I could make it in Korea. In Singapore, the arts scene is not very supported by the government. It's getting better over the years, but it's not like New York or US where they take dance very seriously and they're like, it's a proper art form. I mean, we have opportunities here, but we're not super supported, right? Yeah, I was
0: just curious on how, especially as an Asian person who maybe didn't have the most supportive parents uh, for this whole dance thing that you were doing how did that transition into you saying I want this to be my career
1: because the arts form is not super supported it was really hard for me to even think about wanting to make it out as a dance instructor or an artist to say Mm -hmm. like I had that idea I had the desire to be one but it's not like okay I'm really gonna entertain it you know like I think I have to do something else. So I left the studio because I felt like they were not exposing us enough to different dance schools. I found myself social dancing at that particular dance studio all the time and they were not really going like, oh, you can go here to dance, you can go there to dance, go and learn that, go and learn that. They were more like, stay here and dance with us. So I came across like social parties at other studios. I'm like, is this common? Are there parties everywhere? Oh my God, like... What a whole new world, right? And I started realizing that, okay, they wanted to keep us there and they're not very willing to expose us. That's when I'm like, no, this is not the right mentality I want. This is not the kind of studio I want to stay in. So I left and I was like, okay, where should I join now? So I joined Gibson Pierre. He's one of the pioneers of the salsa scene in Singapore. So I was with um, a studio called Mosaic dance at that time. They were edited dance studio and then there were some changes and then become mosaic dance. It was run by Z and Derek. Z runs uh, Ziggy Feet now in Singapore and Derek runs the dance collective now. I'm still very close to both of them. So at the point of time they were like, helping me to become an instructor. They gave me some opportunities because they, they saw that I could dance pretty well. So I was a member with them performing everywhere. So then what happened was that I was earning very little and I was studying and I wanted to travel. I wanted to go to these congresses. This, this whole new door open where you're like, oh my God, it's not just dance studio thing. It's every dance studio thing. And then after you're like, oh my God, it's not an every dance studio thing. It's a every country kind of thing. And it's like, oh my God, these festivals. Oh shit, I need to go. I need to see. I need to learn. So I was broke as hell because I wanted to travel. I would borrow money just to go to a festival and to perform there. And you're asking for an opportunity to perform. You're performing with your team. The accommodation is costing you. The ticket is costing you. Yeah. So it got to a point where I was juggling different jobs to make the dancing work. I needed to support myself. I needed to pay my bills. I needed to show my parents that somehow I'm earning some money and not right. just dancing my life away. <laughs> Is this after you graduated from school? I graduated from secondary school. So I have not gotten any kind of bachelor degree or any kind of degree or diploma actually. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm going to worry about the studying later mm-hmm. because now I want to dance. I can study when I'm 30. I know I'm street smart. I have the EQ. If I wanted to earn money, I could do anything. I was juggling jobs like being a babysitter. I was being a waitress. Wow. I was being like some kind of secretary in an office. And then I taught Zumba classes. I was a fitness instructor. You name it, I've <laughs> done it. Okay. I've done all of that shit. I was juggling everything just to see like, what do I like? to do to earn some money so that i can dance that was like kind of my life for two years i was tired i was like no this can't go on i want to dance and i know that i'm doing this so that i can dance i cannot sustain this kind of lifestyle where i'm juggling different kind of jobs and by the time it got to when i'm supposed to dance i was too tired to do it so i told myself heck it i'm gonna quit everything and i'm gonna try and teach some dance classes
0: wow how old were you at this point
1: I think I was like 18 or 19 or 20, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I don't know, about six, seven years ago. Yeah, about there, uh-huh. right? I, I, was, I tried to study in a local polytechnic for a diploma just to get that diploma. Right. But six months into it, I was like, uh-uh, no way. <laughs> what the hell? Like, I'm not learning anything. My heart is not there. My brain is not there. I would go into like all these lectures thinking about dancing or thinking about sleeping. Because I was juggling so many jobs. I'm like, come on, there's so many things that I can do to earn money. Do I really need this diploma? And it was one of the best decisions I've made because now I know that, yes, you need a diploma sometimes, but at the end of the day, it's about how smart, how much life experiences you've had. And it's really more EQ than IQ these days. So it kind of just started there. I was like, quit school, quit all the jobs. I'm going to dance. And so here I am. And... When I first got invited to teach overseas, I was like, "Okay, cool, why not?" And I charged super cheap at that time, yeah, because I was like nobody. (laughs) Mm. I was like, "I'll I'll I'll teach ten hours today just to earn that one thousand bucks," right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved it, and then slowly it just became what it is today. Wow
0: what a story because you are relatively young to be at the stage that you are in your dance career and you're so well known and i think it's because you took that risk and said you know what this is not for me i'm gonna actually pursue dance
1: and were your parents supportive of that you know the asian culture like they start <laughs> become supportive when you're like putting money on the table yes that is exactly <laughs> what it is <laughs> right so Uh, they were not supportive until like one turning point where there was this whole production done by this first studio that I was in and they came I was like come and watch what I've been working on and they saw that wow my my girl is talented my girl is putting some hard work she can dance you know Mm -hmm. so that was the first turning point but still like I struggle a lot with them asking me what do you want to do with your life And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I just want to dance. Mm -hmm. So they were very worried about me dancing with guys, joining bachata competition when I was 13 years old. You're like, mom, don't watch. No, my mom was like, look, look, look. She's showing to her friends. And I'm like, you're Uh, showing your friends your 13-year-old daughter grinding with another guy? (laughs) Anyways, they're quite liberal. So that's okay. Finally, when I'm like mom, I'm going to contribute to the household, get the money, buy groceries with it, do whatever you want with it. And that's when they're like, Oh,
0: we support you. We've always supported you. Yeah. Yeah, No problem. (laughs) That's funny. So when you opened BLDC, what was your vision? What was that process like?
1: So again, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) It was really like one step at a time. It's weird because everyone's like, oh my God, how did you do this? And what were you thinking? What were your goals? But my constant and very consistent reply is I took one step at a time. I did Mm -hmm. not have a long-term goal. It was very much about what I wanted to do in the next two months, what I wanted to achieve in six months. And there are not goals like, Oh, I wanted to be an artist or whatever. I have dreams, you know, like when I was less famous, I'm like, Oh, it would be so cool if I were invited to a really big festival. Like I have those kind of dreams, but I'm not really actively marketing myself previously because for me, it was really like more artistic. It was more like, I love this song. I'm going to do a choreography to this song and I need the girls. So it was very much like with the intention to build choreographies more than to build a career. You understand? The career was more like a consequence of it. Is that why you
0: have a lot of ladies teams? Because you just envision that choreography and you're like, I need all the women behind me to come out in these skirts with these costumes (gasps) and these lines.
1: (laughs) Maybe because I didn't like a man telling me what to do. <laughs> mm, you better tell him. How should I put it? I, I think I went into ladies because I wanted to do solo stuff. I felt that partner work was fun. I could do it all the time, but I had more fun dancing by myself and teaching by myself. Because I, I'm always so like ahead in my thoughts. I would say that I have a very good sense of teaching that I get very dominating in classes. It's not that I'm purposely doing that. I just love to teach, you know. And I realized that every time I teach somebody, I'm talking all the time because I'm like, you know, let's go. I want to teach you this, you know. Guys, no, don't do this. Do that instead. This is the technique. So partnership wasn't working very, very well for me. When my partner is explaining something, I'm always like, oh, I want to say something as well, but I can't, you know. Like, let me say it. So... Eventually these are all the reasons that made me feel like, Okay, why don't you do your own thing? Do some lady stuff anyways, you're good at it. Yeah. You know, you're you're pretty good at choreographing, so go for it. So yeah, that's wow. how I end up with the ladies scene.
0: But that speaks volumes to what happens when you actually pursue artistry, because you just pursued that out of interest. And then suddenly you have a niche, suddenly you're building a name for yourself and your career is developing, not because you strategically wanted to build a career, but because you really followed your
1: passion. It has become more business oriented now, now that, you know, you hit, 25 and you're like what are you doing with your life you know do you actually want to have savings (laughs) Mm. because when you do it for the arts you're not thinking about the money you're like oh i'm i'm earning some money why not you know but as you slowly get older you're like okay you need to keep dancing but at a certain point of time you know your parents are not going to be able to work you're going to have kids you're going to need some savings you can't splurge all the time and then it became more like okay now i need to optimize this as a business which is what Mm -hmm. i'm doing right now I felt lost for a couple of years because I couldn't really find how to enjoy it, the business part of it. I had to learn and I'm not extrovert by nature. I had Mm -hmm. to really learn how to be one so that people find me approachable. Mm -hmm. You know, people can come to me and go like, Brenna, I want to ask you a question. You know, I was such an introvert because like, for example, if I see a friend in the subway, I wouldn't say hi. I didn't want contact
0: yeah I think a lot of people can relate
1: or maybe like after teaching a class I'm like I don't want to talk to anybody Mm. but I realized that it's not gonna work for my career you can't just not talk to anybody or you had to network you had to make people feel you're approachable so I had to learn my ways and
0: yeah I'm happy yeah dance is really not um, a friendly dynamic for introverts it's very difficult to be an introvert in the dance community
1: Totally, totally. It's a very loud one. I don't really enjoy going to festivals. That's why really? I don't travel as
0: much. Is it the social dancing aspect or with all the people it's, or what is it?
1: It's the socially draining aspect. I don't mind social dancing with one hundred people. I mind talking to one hundred people after social dancing.
0: So you just wanna dance next. Dance next. Don't talk to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and even the fact that people are always watching you, like because you're yes. somebody. Yeah. You know you're you're an artist they put you on a banner they're like who is this girl they put cameras out. in your Everyone's face like, yeah exactly so you can't really enjoy as much anymore because you know that at any point of time somebody's watching you For me i enjoy the teaching i enjoy the dancing but everything else about being in the limelight uh. really
0: i was gonna ask because you do have a couple of social dances with terry on youtube that are really popular and I wonder how you, because you look very calm and Terry is a whirlwind to dance with because he's so musical. So his patterns can be kind of complicated. Do you, because the cameras are in your face, like how did you feel in those moments? Were you stressed nervous? Up? Oh, wow. <laughs> you are a good actress. I am
1: stressed. Girl, I am stressed. Terry is too amazing. He's like a beast at another level. True beast. Right? And his social dance is probably like a lot more than I do just because I do Lady Shine so much and I'm Mm -hmm. more of a performer. Mm. I do social dance, don't get me wrong. I'm always out social dancing, but I don't do it as much because I'm not traveling as much. And in Singapore, I'm training a lot and stuff. So you're facing somebody who's like that and people are watching, you're like, oh (laughs) shit. I am nervous AF when I dance (laughs) with him. He's not an easy one to dance with. right? But he's great. I love it.
0: So I kind of want to um, take a turn and ask you about something that you posted on your social media recently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was a post that you shared about how you've cried and broken down a lot through your dance journey and that your students have basically shared the same stories with you, especially during the quarantine. Why was it important for you to share that?
1: It was important for me because Like I said, in my post, I was heartbroken from my students telling me in messages like Brenda, and then they give like the crying emoticon, like five of them. They're like, I couldn't do it last night. I gave up. I went to sleep or they're like, oh my God, I'm so frustrated. I had so many messages like consistently and I just felt like it was important to share that it's a journey. It's not a one night thing. It's not a one practice thing. It's a journey and it's going to take you time because it has taken me time. And being an influencer or being somebody who is looked up upon by so many others, Mm -hmm. I feel that I have the responsibility to share what I know and what could encourage somebody else. And for me, there's a part of me that really wants to put out content that people can relate to. I ever told myself this, that my social media shouldn't be full of selfies and shouldn't be full of sexy pictures, Mm -hmm. no content. You know, I really wanted some good content and I wanted people to follow me because they genuinely want to know what I'm thinking about. You know, I wanted to follow me because of what I'm saying, not what I'm sharing as pictures. So I've always had this sense of responsibility to share. My students, they were just, I feel so sad. Like, this is a quarantine period. You're training by yourself. Like, what do you expect? You're learning over a video. Are you expecting to dance like me today? I always told them, like, if you're going to dance like me today, I'm going to lose my job, girl. So
0: so please don't.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I always tell them, I always tell them you got to dance better than me. Yeah. And you know, I,
0: I think I did come across that post of yours where you said, I do want my Instagram to be meaningful and I want to share insights oh, with people. And yeah. you've shared so many incredible insights and tidbits. And I've pulled a few that I want you to touch on because I think these are really important. You've provided a really good tip for each one of these. So the first is, in your opinion, what is the difference between
1: an instructor and a coach? A coach? trains great students to learn better, not just mm. dance better. An instructor is just trying to train up a great dancer. Your job is to teach moves, mm. you know, but for me as a coach, it's really important that my students are not learning how to dance better, but also learning how to learn better. Yes. So this aspect of being a better learner, being more aware about what you should be working on, what are your dance goals, how to improve. I feel it's, too neglected in the dance scene because people are always going after new dance challenges new content what is the new favorite move you know pachanga was there at one point of time you know and then now and then sawn and all this shit you know like yes it's important to chase the trends you know but it's more important to really realize that chasing the trends doesn't make you a better dancer it's really like the techniques and finding a good coach or being more aware about your dance goals. People have no dance goals. They only Mm. have dance goals for what kind of challenge they want to do. It's crazy because we're in an industry where people are paying us to teach. Right. You know, and paying us to teach means that we should be helping you to be better dancers, but it's completely neglected. You know, like, you're only teaching content. You're not teaching the things that will make somebody better. So I've been trying to, like, really... Spread the word and educate the dance scene or just my students in general that it's so important to really really understand what it is that makes you a better dancer don't pay instructor for content mm. it's silly with the virtual world we're living in right now you don't need to pay somebody to copy their shit what you should be paying for is somebody who actually will help you to get you to your dance goals or for a start even to help you find out what are your dance goals You know what I mean? So for me, a coach has very, very, very different sets of responsibilities from any other instructor. I would like to say that the standard that we have built ourselves right now is really set.
0: Yeah, and something that I noticed taking your online class is you are very, very clear on technique in a way that's relatable to people who the moves don't come naturally to. And I think that's really important because being taught by a lot of instructors who are very Mm -hmm. natural dancers. I sometimes will be in classes where an instructor will do a move and then just expect everyone to be able to copy the move from looking at it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's super difficult to do when you don't come from a dance culture, maybe it's not natural to your body, but you've developed this methodology where you can explain complicated movements, especially body movement, in a way that's understandable. Is that something that you really, really worked at? Because it seems like being a coach and having that mentality is really important
1: to you. Um, Yes, I've worked on it a lot. For me, teaching was always this very, very interesting aspect of my career. I get so much satisfaction from saying a sentence and then suddenly my students transform. I think it really was a very natural process of being more mature at my age because I'm now 26. So in the past few years, I was really like transforming into an adult. And with that maturity came more thoughts, you know, like, what am I doing when I'm teaching, you know? What are my goals going to class? What do I want my students to achieve, you know? These kind of things started forming more and more as, as I aged. Oh my God, mm. sounds weird. As I, <laughs> as I matured, you know, as I matured. And yeah, I just started paying more attention and people started telling me that, oh my God, Brenna, your teaching is amazing. I would feel that the best compliments that I've received is not about me dancing, but about my team dancing. You know, like, wow, your team looks amazing. And for me, that was like, you know what? That is one of the biggest compliments I've ever taken. For you to say that like my teams can dance amazing is really huge because I feel that I have this insecurity in me from a young age because I pursued dancing so much. Mm. I've always only had that that I'm only a good dancer and I'm nothing else I don't have a degree you know I don't have any kind of diploma and I didn't take my studying very seriously you know I didn't try anything on the side I was only dancing literally for somebody to tell me that, oh my God, you teach really well. And oh my God, your team looks like you. It must be because you teach really well. It was like, well, I'm good at something else. I'm not just a dancer. I'm a really good dance instructor. And that really like just changed the way I looked at dancing. And as I matured, I started thinking more about it. And I started teaching my own dancers how to teach. I needed some co-instructors. Mm. And I took a lot of effort into writing down syllabus, trying out different way of teaching try a different way of explaining. I'm really happy that I did all that.
0: Something else I wanted to touch on is when you're social dancing, you have this ability to kind of improvise um, with the music and it's so subtle. What are your pieces of advice for developing the ability to improvise and be musical?
1: I was laughing because they're subtle because I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like, your musicality is so subtle because I'm so lazy. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give you a quick like like a crash course on what, how to improvise the music. I would say that number one is to understand that music is repetitive. The first thing I always really talk about in my musicality class is that you already know, but now you need to apply it. So that's number one. All the songs are repetitive. So it's possible to be like musical to any song after you've heard the first half of the song. Or maybe even like two bars, because the two bars would repeat another three times. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they have verses in A8. So you hear the first two bars and you're like, okay, everything is going to sound similar. So it's possible. And the instruments, usually they don't just sound similar. They're the same. The same instruments we play playing again and again. So that's the first thing. And then moving on to the next part of the class is to just teach expression in the simplest ways possible usually my musicality class is open for all levels because i believe that no matter how simple your movement the aim of the class is expression mm-hmm. so you can be doing like two head looks and still be expressing the same beat as two complicated movement if the movement is ting ting you don't need to do some crazy shit you just need to move forward and back and go ting ting right <laughs> So this is probably why my movement looks so subtle. You
0: should, you should call the class lazy improvising <laughs> <laughs> with Brenda.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's more like just me being lazy, but I shouldn't be teaching my students that. Yeah, and then i would be using very simple body movement to really start to get the students to listen to two bars and hit the next bar. With mm. body movement. Because even though we're dancing salsa and bachata, at the end of the day, any kind of movement is already an expression. I feel that salsa and bachata instructors, in general, the musicality class that I've been taking, you know, they're too much focus on the fact that it's salsa and bachata. Right. And not focusing enough that what the students need right now is to first learn the musicality and then try the most basics of moves to expression before even putting it into salsa or bachata. Right now, with all the trend with fusion and um mixing of styles, really, like, do you think that having a basic step is more important than trying to express a music in musicality class? No, I don't mm-hmm. think so, right? So, yeah, I have... I have a a format, a structure for when I teach musicality class and usually it's one of my most popular classes when I travel overseas because again, like what you said, I'm really trying to take the most complicated um, topics and breaking it down for any layman person. Even if you don't dance, you would be able to do what I'm trying to teach you. And from there, we build it up to more complicated sounds, more complex movements. And for me, the structure is important you yeah. need to
0: have a Brenda
1: Liu toronto academy <laughs> uh, well i'm trying to build an online academy that i can reach anybody with i'm hoping yeah. that goes well so that i can really share what i know with the rest of the world i think
0: the signs right now are that people are ready for it and here for it yeah yeah
1: totally what do you think <laughs> what, what what should i do with the online academy
0: I think it's huge that you're focusing on areas where people are really struggling and where people really want to move into, which is movement and improvisation. And Mm -hmm. that those pieces I find are really difficult to teach because I've also wanted to take those classes. So I have, but I haven't really gotten much out of it other than maybe like a movement choreo versus really understanding fundamentals. So I feel like if you do an online academy where you focus on fundamentals of those pieces where it seems like you're doing, that is going to be key and that can be disseminated everywhere.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. I think I've been getting similar kind of feedback. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Do you do,
0: or are you planning to do um, like ladies teams around the world the way that people have
1: chapters? No. So I have, two teams in Asia, other than Singapore, which is in Taipei and Saigon. And the only reason why I'm doing them is because the instructors leading them are extraordinary people in my Mm. opinion, Mm -hmm. you know, like I love their hardworkingness. I love their determination. I love how humble they are and they are able to be my friends. They're not doing it for the money. They do it because they really want to learn from me. And for me, like after I got to know them and they were asking me to do it, I was like, okay, I would do it. But people who usually don't know me and I don't know them, they come and ask me, I usually reject it. One of the main reasons why is because I don't want to mess up my reputation. For me, trying to align how important I think it is to have good quality of techniques and instructors and students. I don't want to just give any girl the ability to teach my routine. And then, you know, they take it to a congress and perform and it's not up to the standard it should be. And it wouldn't put my brand in a very good light. And for me, I will feel the responsibility to make them better. And I don't want to be in a situation where they're not better because maybe (laughs) I don't have the time to or they're not able to deliver. And then I'm going to say, no, you can't perform it. I don't want to be in that position. However, though, I do sell my choreographies to people who want to perform it and they don't perform it under my name. You know, it's just to give instructors the chance to do my choreography, but they're not representing me. Yeah, that's very for me, I can accept that. Yeah, I mean, I have so many choreographies. If you really think that, you know, you're interested to perform mine, I really don't mind to give you the copyright.
0: Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like... um... With those international teams, it can be really difficult to manage. So I feel like you made a really good yeah.
1: call on that one. And I'm an introvert. So when I see messages on my phone, I'm like, oh my. <laughs> Like, again, something that I did want to touch on is
0: being an Asian woman in the dance scene. What has the reception been like, especially I'm as
1: you. So glad. You both <laughs>
0: <are>. <laughs> because I feel like it's dominated one by extroverts and, of course, by Latinos. It's the Latin dance scene, by people that primarily speak Spanish as well. And I'm wondering what your experience has been, number one, as a solo female instructor and also as an Asian woman in dance.
1: Hmm. Wow, what a broad topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been hard, huh? To be an Asian female soloist, I would say that the hardest part are the myths that Asians are not as flavorful, Asian women are more timid, they're not really out there. Plus I'm an introvert, so that doesn't really help. But you know what? I've always really, really stayed focused on, you know, people will know me because of eventually what I do for others, you know, like they will they can judge me however what they want, but I will shut them up when I dance. I will shut them up when I teach. It's been hard. Huh? It's really hard because I'm such an introvert and you go to festivals and people are looking at you like, who is this Asian girl coming here by herself? In a big congress. You see all the Westerners, all the people and then you see an Asian girl. Hi. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> are you often the only one? If I go to like European congresses, yes. Wow. And it's hard because I'm shy as well. You know, people would think that I'm arrogant. They don't know me because I have a resting bitch face when I don't smile, right? So they would think that I'm arrogant, like, oh, this girl thinks she dances really well. You know, she's not talking, she's not smiling. But in fact, I'm just shy. You know, like I prefer not to be out there going crazy, you know, hey guys, what's up? You know, like I'm not really that kind of person, but it's okay. I feel that after years of hard work, it has paid off and people are starting to know that my shit is for real. And I'm just really focusing on what I want to do. And being famous for me is more a consequence than a benefit. I don't really care about the limelight. Previously, I didn't even care about reaching out to people. Now I do care about reaching out to people. But the main reason why is because I want to share what I know. If I don't share what I know, nobody's going to find out what I know at all.
0: I mean, have you gotten support from other artists? I know that you you recently announced a collaboration with Maria Ramos, which is pretty yeah. cool. Has that yeah. been, like, what
1: was the process like of setting up that collab and did she reach out to you? I reached out to her. I'm her fangirl, so I'm like, Me too. So Singapore announced a, a extension of a lockdown for another month. And I was like, oh man, no. Being trapped in these four walls, I love seeing my students, but eventually they're going to be like, Sick and tired of seeing me every day. I don't know who other instructors t three or four days a week and seeing the same students every day. I'm sure, like any student, will be like, you know what, I'm gonna rest for two weeks and see you next month. You know. <laughs> so it was both a business and interest decision. I need to do something fun, and I would love to collaborate with somebody who's really cool. And then business wise, I'm like. My students are going to get sick of seeing me all the time. (laughs) So why don't I change things up for them? So I texted her like, Hey, Maria, like this is what happened in Singapore. I want to give my students more value. I want them to stay excited, stay motivated. So you're the first person that popped up in my head because she's also a soloist. Mm -hmm. You know, at this moment she is. And, I love the stuff that she shares, you know, you read her stuff and you know that she's on the same page. She's not about sharing selfies and sexy pictures. She's about sending messages of love and encouragement to the world and about what she knows. So I'm like, this girl's up my alley, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to write her. So I wrote her and she came back like, girl, I'm down. And I was like, what the hell? And I was just gushing over her. Literally. Then we just kind of just went into details. We wanted to make sure that all the continents could at least have the chance to take it. So 9pm Singapore time would be 3pm Berlin time and 9am US time. So we're hoping that this time slot is somewhat manageable for everybody. I'm like any other person. I see a great dancer. I'm like, oh, know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you find that that's the attitude though that people approach you with now? That there's kind of an intimidation factor and people are a little bit scared because there's that skill level gap? Because it's I definitely al- feel that way. always been there. Mm. it's
1: always been there I know it because I can feel it me and my team one of the hardest thing was to really break the ice and go like outside of classes I'm your friend be my friend why don't you be my friend you know like I want my support I want my girlfriends don't just be my students so it's, it's something I struggle with for sure like I wanted my students to be my girlfriends as well and I would even feel like insecure when they're like you know forming their own cliques and leaving me out of it not because they want to but it's getting better I feel like the way I talk and the way I tell my students that hey you can approach me anytime is really really important and to touch on topics that are very vulnerable you know for me this is important that people realize that behind all these dance videos there is a human Mm -hmm. inside me and like even sharing this post like how I was also crying you know like yeah it's more like a way of telling people that hey you know I'm not just promoting my dance classes all the time you know I I'm a human too.
0: I definitely relate to that fear because I'm on a a dance team and my coaches are incredible. Kim and Gio from Etowaku Latin Dance Company, and they have the same feelings. I remember giving them feedback about choreography that there was one piece of the choreography that nobody could get because I hold rehearsals in my building every week and nobody could get it. And I was so scared to even bring that up because I was thinking in my head, who am I to tell somebody had to change their choreography. And I remember when I finally got the guts to say something, my coaches were so thankful and so appreciative and said, I think people yeah. are scared of us <laughs> because nobody has yeah, been sharing feedback yeah, yeah, exactly. or like trying to, you exactly. know, involve us in things. But it's good to know that I'm pretty sure all instructors feel this way, that there's kind of a weird invisible wall between them and their students. And we just have to work to break that wall.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very much about the way you bring things up Not so much about what you want to bring, right? Like if my students were to come to me and go, like, hey, you know, we're not getting this choreography. Can you change it? It would be like, what the hell, girl. But if they came to help me, like, I think the girls and myself were struggling it for this part. Can you help us? Or maybe they come at a more strategic angle, like, oh, you know, I think the girls will appreciate it if you were to make this part a little easier. We're very stressed, you know. If they came from a very helpful kind of tone, I would be like yeah totally right (laughs) but if they came like telling you what to do then of course i'll be like this is my choreography yes and you
0: know the eq well brenda you've had such a amazing career and it's been really really nice to hear your story and how it's really been step by step and it's honestly been a consequence of your passion for dance and i'm curious to know what your future goals are or the vision you have for yourself in the future in dance
1: I would say that my immediate goals are to really share what I believe about teaching and coaching, to spread awareness that you shouldn't be paying an instructor for their content, but for what skills they can equip and arm you with so that you really become better as a dancer. For me, my immediate goals are these. People don't see it enough. The instructors themselves don't see enough importance of it. People are teaching, but where do they learn how to teach? You learn how to dance, but have you learned how to teach? before you tell people you're an instructor. There's not enough awareness of this. And yeah, this is my immediate goal to spread my philosophy and ideology and methodology. And I just hope that the world of dance can be more kind and going in the right direction and not just for fame and for content and for social influence. That's what I'm trying to do. That's amazing. And do people know that you do poetry? I think some people do. Not all. <laughs> the because thing is, my my poems get the least amount of like, it's very demotivating. Really? I, yeah.
0: I had read um, a poem of yours, which I think really describes your why for dance. I pulled it up because I think it's such an incredible expression of your love for dance and why you do it. So maybe you can comment on this. So for everyone listening, this is something that Brenda wrote. I dance to reveal my inner soul, to find freedom in control. Musicality is the license for my ultimate liberation.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I love this one. Wow. I was in the airport thinking about dance moves Then I started thinking about poems. And I was like, I'm going to write something. And then I just kind of like started piecing things together and going like, this is what I want to express. I danced to review my inner soul, soul, to find freedom and control. Musicality is the license for my ultimate liberation. Beautiful. I think what I was trying to express is the fact that having control in my dancing is what eventually is going to give me the freedom to express music. Musicality is the license for my ultimate liberation. So I was going in the thought of how important it is to train the control of my movement so that I have the freedom to express in any way or method my body is able to physically. So that musicality is not limited Mm. by my movement.
0: That's a really beautiful poem. And it's honestly one of the most common things that we've heard doing the interviews as the reason people dance is to be able to express whatever they want to express when the music comes on. Yeah.
1: Thank you for pulling that out. Yeah. I really like your
0: poetry. I think you should continue. I mean, I don't (laughs) see it. It's honestly such a difficult thing to do because Poetry like singing is so vulnerable. It's everything out there for people to see exactly how yeah. you're feeling. So I, it can probably- No, but I'm serious.
1: Yeah. When I post any poem, it's like people just swipe through them. <laughs> Nobody wants to read what I want to write. But when I, I want to read dance, it. When I put like a dance video, everybody's watching it. Maybe, Maybe you should, should
0: put the it. poetry on top <laughs> of your dance
1: video. <laughs> yes. I was thinking about the exact thing. <laughs>
0: Well, Brenda, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been amazing hearing your story. And I cannot wait to see what the future holds for you because you're so young and I know you're going to blow up some more. And one day there will be other Asians in the Congresses with you. So
1: Yes, I'm on my path to find them.
0: To make them. Yeah, I can totally see you running an academy where you're basically teaching people to be instructors and they're going to be at congresses I mean I don't know I see such a big future for you
1: thank you oh wow I'm very happy that I got to be on this podcast it was very nice talking yeah it's really nice feels more to like a conversation yeah
0: yeah because most people have a I don't know, they have this weird pedestal that they put artists on as if they're not human like the rest of us and they don't cry like the rest of us. And it's it's such a strange divide. So I feel like the goal with this podcast is to really get to know people behind the scenes and know what makes them up. So maybe in the next Congress, people aren't going to be so intimidated.
1: Yes. But that does mean you will have to talk to more people. (laughs) 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 Well, I'm not traveling so much. So let's People will probably reach me over my Instagram, but yeah, for Congresses, I'm not sure whether I'm, I'm really, really diving back into it mm. a lot.
0: Well, we don't yeah. even know when the world is going to be open up for Congresses yeah. again.
1: Um, Brenda, where can people find you and what you do? My Instagram. That's my portal right now. Or they can write me on Facebook personally. I have business websites but I would say that they're more business oriented. They're not so much about me. And your handle so you want for Instagram? Brandon Liu underscore official. Yeah. So you guys can find me there. Talk to me. I'm human too.
0: <laughs> Talk to and me. I'm human too. I'm going to make t-shirts and just give them to all the, artists, <laughs>
1: the congresses. Yes. <laughs> yes. Totally. Thank you. It was fun. Wow. It's been one and a half hours. I know. Oh my gosh. Phew. Okay. It's really late for
0: you now. So I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much for this. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: No problem. Bye girl. Thank you. Bye Bye. Bye. Good luck. Thanks for listening.
0: Please follow us. If you're enjoying these episodes, we'll be back next week with another interview.